G'day everyone, welcome back to Clowns of the Castle. Firstly, welcome back to my co-host on this hot summer's day in Perth, Boogie Smalls. How are we today? Bloody fantastic. Good day to um, record a podcast, that's for sure, so let's get stuck in, eh? Uh, I got a big introduction today, someone with a big resume. Um, hailing from Ferguson Valley in the Southwest, Wayne Up Hockey Junior and 2016 Southwest Male Athlete of the Year. Recently, he re- represented and captained the Outbacks, Rick Charlesworth Classic, scoring five goals from four games, leading them to a grand final. He's also pulled on the green and gold for Australia in their youth team, and most recently for the Kookaburras in Europe in 2019. Welcome to Westside Wolves star Tom Harvey. How are you, Tom? Yeah, not bad, boys. Looking forward to a little chat. Beautiful, mate. Thanks for coming on. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get hold of your older brother, Jake, to come on, who's probably got a bit bit more accomplishments on the hockey field than you <laughs> with the old 70 kookaburra experiences, but it's all right. We'll make do with you today. <laughs> yeah, mate. He's probably got a busier schedule than me, and uh, yeah, you just have to second settle for the second-rate, brother. So at the moment, you're just sitting in the track, though, are you? Cruising along? Yeah, mate. I'm just sitting here watching my header go up and back and uh, waiting for a load here. Been listening to a few Clowns of the Castle podcasts in the track there, a bit of music. Yeah, I have been, actually. I've been listening to a few podcasts. I've listened to all of yours and uh, listened to a few Joe Rogans while I've been sitting here. But, yeah. Do you have any, do you have any uh, favourites of ours in particular? Oh, you can't go past uh, Kane Lucas, mate. He's, uh, he's a specimen and he's a great bloke. So, uh, I did funny. enjoy his podcast. Yeah, very funny man he is. Um, all right, so speaking of, like, your family... Um, I've heard coming from the West Australian, you come from one of the greatest um, sporting dynasty families. So your grandfather, the triple Olympian, um, who represented Australia, won silver medal. And you also had a couple of great uncles who were Olympians. Do you want to um, expand on that? Yeah. So um, obviously granddad and he's got four other brothers. Uh, all of them represented Australia. They're originally from uh, India, but they moved over here when they were teenagers and represented Australia all at one point and uh, three of them going to an Olympic Games um, one of them going to four and the other two going to three so uh, obviously yeah extremely successful single generation family and then yeah obviously Jake is my older brother who's you know in the senior squad at the moment and hopefully pushing for Tokyo 2021. Yeah um and was that obviously one of your goals down the track as well? Making an Olympic team would be obviously pretty special. Yeah, I think that's definitely the focus for me. Like, obviously, playing for Australia is, is the goal. Um, you've just got to get there. And then, you know, the Olympics is really the pinnacle. Obviously, we have the World Cup. But, you know, there's no bigger sporting event in the world than the Olympic Games. And I think everybody who plays an Olympic sport, that's their end goal or their long-term goal. So that's, you know, my focus um, to hopefully get there one day. It uh, doesn't happen to everybody, but um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can make it happen. And that's good. Even with the hockey, it's not a huge sport in Australia, but it always seems to come around Olympic time. Um, Australia does get behind both the women's and men's hockey team. I think, is it, you think it's because they're both uh, so successful? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of pressure put on both the hockey roos and the kookaburras for that you know, fortnight, um, as we are probably one of the more, well, I think the Hockey Roos is the most successful um, team sport that Australia has. So, um, and the Kookaburras, we've been 
they've been dominant for the last, you know, 15 years at the top. So it's uh, it's very interesting to see how much pressure gets put on them for the first for those two weeks. Um, forgotten about for the other four, but it's okay. <laughs> they are, they definitely do attract a bit of attention during the Olympic Games. That's for sure. Um, just touching back on you saying your um, grandfather is from India. Well, a bit of trivia, boys. What's the national sport of India? Cricket. Tom, what's your guess? I'm actually going to say... Oh, I'm actually going to say hockey, to be honest. It's hockey. Really? It's not, everyone would think of cricket, but it is hockey. Uh, so, oh, your family massive in the sport, and Jake's obviously uh, really pushing to be a regular in the Kookaburra side. So, what's it like just being that sort of bottom rung disappointment in the family? <laughs> I get asked this question quite a lot, um, <laughs> folks. And, yeah, um, you know, we, we have a mutual friend that uh, asked us to bring it up, uh, Hayden Creek. So, Ah, <laughs> uh, the Creek. Well, you can ask him how it feels to be on the bottom rung of his family, being the son of Ron Cricky. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. But I, I really do enjoy being Jake's brother. I think, you know, you're extremely proud when your brother is as, as successful as mine has been. Um, but yeah, the pressure and, and that reputation does get a bit wearing every now and then, but you know, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. Yeah. So you just touched on it there. So there was a bit of pressure growing up to, um, meet those standards and also like, um, in the backyard growing up, was it pretty competitive between, between you and Jake? Oh, definitely. The, the competitive, um, rivalry between the two of us is still to this day. Um, we have a table tennis table set up in our lounge room just down the road from the castle, actually. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, there's still a lot of competition between us, but it's never never been uh, malicious. But, yeah, it's... And the pressure to perform has not really been that much of a big deal. Um, like, from my family, it more comes from other people so much, not so much from my uh, immediate family and the people that are, that are close to me. Yeah. Touched it on before, like, um, come Olympic times, like, personally, I've never played hockey or have I followed as much as other sports. Uh, but come Olympics time and then growing up in Gerald and following you know, Fergus Kavanagh, um, what challenges do you face as, like, an elite athlete in a sport that's not very publicised or financially rewarding as to be, as comparison to other sports in terms of, like, effort and training that's having to be put in? Um. I think the, the biggest thing is the the time commitment for lack of financial support. Obviously, the kookaburras themselves, they are paid, but it's more the lead up to that period. Um, so the period that I'm in now, you know, you're not you're not a paid athlete um, to be a junior junior athlete, if that makes sense. Um, so when you're in the development programs, you're still committing a lot of your time to training, but obviously there's the financial pressure to support yourself um, to be successful and get into the kookaburras. And even then, like it's not a job that you can um, support yourself on. It's a, it's a, well, semi-professional. So, you know, you're only getting paid a minimum amount to live off and that's really not enough. If you want to, you've got to have something else. So it's, it's, you've always got to have plan B um, going, which is 
to be fair, it's, it's not the worst thing, um, having to study and make sure that you have something to go to after, after sport, um, which you can often see in the professional sports, they have a loss of identity once they, um, once they finish their sporting career. So there's pluses and minuses, but yeah, the, definitely the financial aspect is tough. And then also the pressure that comes in the lead up to an Olympic Games, I think. I'm, I haven't been a part of it, but there's definitely an added pressure to be a, when you're a kookaburra to perform extremely well for those two weeks, um, which you don't often experience. So I imagine that would be a bit of a burden on them for that brief period. So what, yeah, so like an average week, what is the tra- training load like? And obviously you go to um, uni as well with um, books. So how do you juggle both uni and training? Because I imagine you wouldn't get a lot of help from Boogie in the uni department. No, I'm normally, normally giving him a hand, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's a good fella. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. But um, yeah, so the training load usually during the season is, you know, three stick sessions or skill sessions at waist, um, plus two gym sessions and maybe a third um, and then we have obviously our club system as well. So training with Wolves probably once a week. And I normally try and get down to their other session as well. I won't train, but I'll, I'll just be there. Um, and then obviously we have our club games on the weekend. So, you know, probably, you know, eight to nine sessions a week um, plus a game. It's, it's pretty, it's intense um, when you've got to fit in uni study around that as well as you know obviously you've got to support yourself financially yeah um kobe and i not not to that um extent or that intensity but playing like sbl semi-professional league like we have all these commitments and stuff but it really is you're only playing for the fun and not like the other players are getting paid and when you've got like film sessions two three trainings a week and then plus two games on the weekend it adds up a lot of time and fit that in around other things can be quite tough but um yeah definitely yeah so what are your um future goals going forward for both your career in hockey and then um just like in general life you looking to be a teacher down the track as well yeah so obviously studying with the great man next to you um (laughs) to do health and phys ed teaching at some point um i think i'll be maybe moving into a more part-time uni next year just with the the commitment with hockey um, but yeah, so hockey focus is the Junior World Cup is supposed to go ahead next year. Whether that does or not will be um, yet to be determined, I think. So um, yeah, so that's the focus, at, short-term focus at the moment. And then, you know, we have the, the Hockey One League, which is the, um, you know, national league for hockey in Australia towards the end of next year. That'll be um, my primary focus after the Junior World Cup is to be playing in that and hopefully being selected for the national senior squad from my performance in that in that arena. Yeah, we touched on it before, but you represented Australia in Madrid last year. Um, what was that like? Can you summarise what Madrid was like and, of course, how you played and how you... Yeah, so last year I was selected to go to the, the Burris comp, so that's the under-21 team to eight nations, um, which was <laughs> which was a stroke of luck, actually, but a stroke of bad luck for someone else. So I had originally got taken to a camp 
earlier that year and originally hadn't been selected for that eight nations. Um, and then there was an injury and because of my performance at the camp, I was brought into that, that team. So I was brought in, I think, two days before we flew out. Um, and that was right before our semester one exams last year books. So I was, I was in a bit of a panic mode, but it was, um, yeah, it was a great experience um, to go over there. We played um, Belgium, Germany, uh, the Dutch, India, and who else did we play? There's one more nation that I'm missing in our pool. And then we had finals, obviously, and we finished fourth. But it was really interesting to see the, the differences in their style of play. Um, you know, Madrid was awesome. There was a, it's a very different place. Very, um, the culture there is, is incredible. And the people there are very passionate people when it comes to sport. Um, so it was very fun to be a part of, as well as uh, just a great learning experience in the fact that, you know, their style of play in Europe is very different to Australian, um, which was very interesting to learn and definitely something that I'll probably be trying to do at some point in the future is going and play and playing a season in Europe um, and hopefully yeah, earn a bit of money as well. But um, it's, uh, yeah, their incredible skill level in comparison to Australians. Um, we get by on, on a bit of gut work and, and intensity, but their um, individual skills is is a, on another level to a, to an Australian. That's good to hear. And you were lucky enough to spend. Um, you had a Geraldton lad in your team, Braden King. Yes. Yep. King is a he's a, like an older brother to me. That bloke. Yeah. Did he show you the ropes over there, the big fella? He he would have been a bit of a handful over there, I'd imagine. Yeah. No, he did. He uh, no, we were pretty good over there. He's, he did look after me though. We uh we had a lot of fun and yeah, we definitely nearly got lost a few times in the in the centre of Madrid. But yeah, he's a he's a great fellow and you know definitely very committed to achieving his own hockey goals and is just as likely to be successful as anybody else. Yeah, we're talking about it this morning. That lucky he's got a hockey because he's not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. Because on one of his player profiles. <laughs> What's your what, what's your favourite thing in the fridge? And he said icy poles. <laughs> I said, yeah, no, I don't know if, if you keep them, them in the, the fridge, fridge. You're having them wrong. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't mind an icy pole, but yeah, I don't know where he keeps them. They shouldn't be in there. <laughs> so you were selected to play for the Cookbars again in the Sultan of Johor Cup, is that right? But you ruled out through injury. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I was the so we came back from Madrid, um, and then we have our our underage competition of the under-21s for WA. Um, Kingy was the captain of that team. I was lucky enough to be the vice captain with him, which was a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, so from that, we got selected to go to Sultan of Johor, um, which is a Malaysian comp that we go to every year. And then, obviously, I, I was injured for the latter part of last year. So I, I, didn't, I was unfortunate enough to not attend for that. So how was the um, recovery from that injury, like the rehab side of things? Very tough. That was a, so I had osteitis pubis, which was a bit of a, it's a hard one to explain, but it's basically just within your pubic symphysis of your um, pelvis, um, there becomes a bit of bone inflammation and, and deformation. So we, um, 
it's basically rest. You can't do anything other than complete rest for the first little while. And that turned into about eight, eight and a bit weeks for me of just sitting around doing absolutely nothing, um, which turned me a bit crazy. And then after that, it was basically just a lot of strengthening activities in the gym. And it turned into about six to eight months of recovery before I was back to, to playing. Um, I wouldn't say I was back to fully playing. I was probably playing about 80% and then COVID hit and that two months off probably really allowed me to recover properly. And it's a bit of the um, unknown too with that injury because it's a bit different for everyone to, and it can flare up again at any time. So just seems all the good players have it like Juddy and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that if I'm a good player or not, but um, yeah, it's a, it was... It is tough because it's it's like a you know two week process where you you go in you get checked out and then if they're not happy then you have another two weeks off and you're just sort of sitting around waiting and then once you finish and you come back there can often be like I had one flare up and then COVID hit so I was able to sort of escape without any sort of um, detriment to my performance this year from that. Um, but we'll wait and see. I've just got to stay on top of it for the rest of my career, basically, is keep doing the same exercises for the next, you know, 10 years, hopefully, or 10 even more than that. So we'll see. So you've just finished the um, pre- Premier League season here in um, Perth. So that's one of the, like, elite comps, um, obviously, in Perth, but it's one of the better ones around Australia, is it? Yeah, so we're really lucky in Perth to have the Australian program here. So all of the Kookaburras are drafted um, to each team so usually each team has two to three players um, depending on where they finished the year before or um, if they're allowed so our, obviously we have Jake and we had two returning athletes this year in Daniel Beal and Dylan Wotherspoon to our Wolves team um, both of whom did not play due to injury but um, yeah it's, it's probably one of the better comps in the world um, with with those guys playing, especially this year when they played all 16 games, so it was um, it was great to be a part of. And you know, Wolves had a had a reasonable season. We were a bit stiff to miss out on finals. We were, we were going well until about four games to go, and then in a 16 game season, if you drop three games in a row, you you're not really going to finish in the top four. So it was um, yeah, it was a pretty tough end to the year, but it was yeah, a good what stepping this, stone for us. What position do you play in hockey? Because Books has done his research here. He's got a few stats. He scored 12 goals in 16 games, which is pretty good. So. It was 11 goals, actually. Oh, oh there we go, Books. No, nah, no, nah, Tom did uh, tell me 12, but... Yeah, that was my mistake, yeah. So, um, I did have to check that. Um, the I, I played this year as an attacking midfielder. And then I towards the latter end of the season, I, I've shifted back to my customary position, which is um, spare defender basically just being lazy and not having to mark anybody. <laughs> That's um, a lot like Kobe on the footy field. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> I swear you played that when you, when you played hockey too, didn't you? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I played there, but um, yes, I think, you know, eight of those goals are, were drag flicks, so I can't really claim, you know, doing too much to actually earn those goals. I just was lucky enough to be told that I was the one to flick it in the net, so... Um, yeah, uh, but you still had a decent year being selected in the um, Northern All Star team for the comp. Yeah, yeah. So 
um, yeah, that was a really interesting concept this year. It was the first time that they've done that. Um, and it was really successful. So I hope they continue to do it. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great format and an exciting game. Unfortunately, we didn't win, but it was, um, yeah, it was very enjoyable to be a part of that. Yeah, so we talked about it for a little bit about 2021. So you're obviously um, thinking about shifting part-time with uni and you're focusing on the Junior World Cup. Um, is there anything else you got planned for 2021? Um, there's, obviously, I've got my last year of um, WA under-21s. So it'll be a bittersweet moment. Um, hopefully we can get the job done and, and have a win. Uh, West Australia hasn't won that competition in, in a decade. So um, it'll be, hopefully we can have a real red hot crack at that. And that'll be my focus probably for the first little bit of the year and try and get that out of the way. And then, yeah, Junior World Cup, Hockey One. And then hopefully if there's some international competitions going ahead, we can um, crack in towards the end of the season. Sounds beautiful, mate. And all the best for 2021. Looks like it's going to be a ripper. All right, stepping away yeah. from Hockey, um, your family own and run a winery in Ferguson Valley. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we, uh, we have our own wine, own wine label, um, Rascal's Corner. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of the world and I'm sure my parents would tell you that I uh, despise the vineyard with all my heart, but... Um, it's, uh, it, I do enjoy it now, not so much when I used to live there. Um, but yeah, I do love the farm. It's, it's a great place to go when, when I have some time off and just to escape the city a little bit. Uh, what, what sort of wines are you bringing out? Uh, so we've got a Shiraz, which is uh, my favourite book. So I'm sure I'll get you onto it at some point in your life when you stop drinking red cans. Um, <laughs> I do love a good red though. So He likes to think he's a bit of a wine expert too. You see him yes. when he's around a few girls, he likes to sit cross-legged. He swells the glass around like he knows what he's talking about. Is that true? Oh, I can't. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, I, I, so, yeah. I actually do know what I'm talking about because it used to be my job. But continue, please, Tom. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a Shiraz, uh, a Merlot, Cab Merlot. Um, and then we've got, in the whites, we've got a Sav Blanc Semillon and then a semillon, and then we did a sparkling wine for one year, but we don't do that anymore. And then I'm pretty sure Dad's bringing out another variety at some point. Um, I think we've got another couple that I can't remember, but yeah, there's quite a few that we that we have. And then we also supply fruit to Favour Vineyard in um, in the Swan Valley. So yeah, it's um, it's definitely starting to grow a little bit. Um, the business, so yeah. Well, that sounds beautiful. Uh, Rascal Corner for everyone that's listening, um, and remember to drink responsibly. Um, and hopefully, Rascal Corner will have a box this way. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I might drop a couple of bottles off at the door for you, mate. All right, beautiful. Thanks. Can we wait till um, July next year, though? <laughs> All right. Um, on very good information from a very good mutual friend between us, great bloke and massive fan of the show. But he's informed us about uh, some of your domestic duties, especially which ones involve drying dishes with a hairdryer. Oh, gee. You've got this off Braden King. I have, actually. And Ashley Perch has chimed in as well. <laughs> yeah, so um, I can't remember how old I was. I think I would have been 14 or 15. 
and mum had tasked me with doing the dishes over lunch um, and I would had enough after I'd washed them. So I went upstairs and got mum's hairdryer and uh, decided that, you know, it'd be a quicker option to just get that out and try and have a crack at drying them off with that. Um, it wasn't, it actually wasn't successful at all. It took me way longer to do it. I, um, yeah, so basically what happened was <laughs> mum had asked me to get some, get some dishes done over lunch while everybody else was doing something else. And I'd had enough after about the first 10 minutes of doing them. And so I decided that it'd be quicker if I went and got a hairdryer and decided that I'd dry them with that. It turned into about a 45 minute process to get them done. Um, instead of probably a 15 minute job if I'd just use a tea towel. But um, I, it was uh, definitely very entertaining for everybody who walked in on me about 30 minutes in to me drying dishes with a hairdryer. Did you conserve a bit of energy from it or? Uh, I did actually, yeah. The, uh, the effort there was significantly less than using a tea towel. Um, I think I even set up a stand so that I didn't have to hold it. Um, <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than even like hold it and try and move it. So yeah, I was, um, I was fully invested in the, in the process of drying with a hairdryer. Well, you don't know what they say. If you've got a really difficult job, find the laziest person and get them to do it because they'll find the easiest way to do it. But anyway, another mutual friend we had was uh, Hayden Creek. And he, he said his shoulders still buggered from carrying you all through juniors. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know about that. He, uh, he did <laughs> represent our school as a goalie. Um, He'd say he one. was the world's best goalie as well. He's built like a fridge. He would be not not a bad goalie. He would take up most of the goals. Yeah. He uh he had to make one save for the whole day, um, <laughs> and the one save that he made was actually going out. So <laughs> <laughs> he he saved a ball that was going out of the goals, but yeah, he uh he definitely did carry me through high school. That bloke. Um, I don't know if I would have got through the whole thing with him without him so um i'm surprised he's still alive to be honest you know four years after leaving high school i was a bit worried there for a while but um you know he's he's a great fellow that bloke he's a funny man he wasn't afraid to give a bit of dirt on you either yeah he, um, of course he was he didn't mention um while you were in high school obviously you're um training a fair bit in perth and every story would start with yeah but up in perth and then the biggest bullshit would come out of your mouth. Can you confirm this? Um, I can't confirm that it was bullshit. Um, <laughs> but I can confirm a lot of my stories did involve Perth, yes. Now, you moved to Perth. Are you, are you living away from mum? How are you coping with that? Because apparently you're a bit of a mummy's boy. Bit of a mummy's boy. Um, yeah, no, I don't think there's any fact at all in that. <laughs> if you contacted my mum, she'd be, she'd love to hear that because I haven't spoken to her very much since I've been here or at home <laughs> in Perth, to be honest. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's obviously very challenging, uh, as you boys would be aware when you first leave home, um, regardless of how prepared you may be or may feel you are. It's um, it's never easy 
to leave something that's so familiar, even though I was very much ready to leave when I did. Although now that I'm out of home, I do miss it. So, but yeah, most of the time Jake cooks because I've got uni work to do. So I don't really have to worry about too much when I'm sitting around at home in Perth. All right, so I've just got a couple of questions for you before we finish up. Um, what's on your Christmas list this year? What's on my Christmas list? Um, oh, geez, I wouldn't mind a bit of money. Yeah. But uh, I think I'm after a, a, some roof racks for my car, to be honest. So I, didn't, I can't really justify buying them myself. So hopefully mum and dad will buy them for me. And then, I don't know, I think Jake's investing in a new pair of Burks for me because mine are probably worn to within an inch of their life. As books would testify, I don't really wear anything else to uni. Yeah, that's, that, that is true. And mine are looking in the same shape at the moment. They've got the ass kicked out of them. So if Jake's got enough money there, I'd like to two things. <laughs> I'll let him know. What about you, Toby? What's on your wish list? Oh, put me on the spot here. Um, I don't know, really. Wouldn't mind a new, like, few clothes to deck out new little wardrobe. Tinder Gold subscription for you? Nah, I'm not a Tinder fan. You've already got that, so... How's Tim Gold treating you, books? Oh, it's going well, mate. Um, definitely worth the money. Um, for a person that's not too much about commitment, I was ready to commit to the six months straight out. <laughs> it's actually not a bad um, option, though, because you've got a big discount. Yeah, yeah, massive discount. So I'm only paying like 10 bucks a month, which is unreal. <laughs> and Tom, you're a big Tinder man yourself, aren't you? Uh, I, well, I will confirm that I am, yeah. So uh, it's definitely good for a laugh as well as a bit of fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not quite Tinder Gold status like Bulls, but uh, yeah, I do enjoy it from time to time. Although I've turned Rex McCormack into a Tinder fiend, so that um, does not surprise me one bit. He would be all over it. He's a rather dangerous person. So if any girls are listening to this <laughs> podcast, if there's no, a bloke called Rex McCormack. He's, he's Mate, about two you, foot tall, two foot tall, and yeah, just watch out for him. Uh, what, what's, your, what's one of your favourite pickup lines? <laughs> there's a there's one that my mate introduced to me that I do really enjoy. Is you send a send a um, like a soccer ball emoji or something like that, then you go, oh, looks like my ball dropped over your fence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. While I'm here, I'll just say, hey, it's not failed me yet, to be honest. Um, it's very successful. Books, you should use it, mate. Thanks, mate. Well, because I only got one, and it's his go-to. No, I'll use a couple. I use the um, Would You Rather one. That I reckon, I reckon books are just, um, yeah. So, I reckon books would just say, hey. Nah, no, not anymore, mate. I, I did um back in your one that you told me the Would You Rather. So, oh, yeah, the would you rather far out. So yeah, would you rather walk in on your parents having sex or them yep. walking on you having sex? Yeah. And you go in and say, well, lucky lucky for you, I live at home, so I don't have to worry about neither. <laughs> yeah, that's a successful one as well. But Have you um, used that, mate? I have. Did you get some success out of it? I don't, I don't, I don't smash and tell, budge. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> And Kobe's actually got a good one as well. Uh, what one? Knock, knock. Oh, yeah, we discussed that on the podcast last week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, 
Um, yeah, my favourite is the um, why can't dinosaurs clap? And because they're dead. Most people say they're arms, but they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody idiots. Now you use something like a little cringe one, like I wish I was cross-eyed so I could see you twice. <laughs> no, that is your one. <laughs> Another one is um, knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? <laughs> Cash. Cash. No thanks. I prefer peanuts. That's horrible. Oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> All right, that's so, so more- bad. One more question for you. If you could have five teammates for um, come over to say for a dinner or a night out, um, <laughs> former or current, who would you pick? Former or current? Jeez. Um, Braden King would be probably the first on the list. Jake would be very close second, if not first. I'll call them a dinkle draw. Um, I've never played with Ash Percher, but he'd be there. Um, <laughs> yeah, he'd uh, can you just elaborate on some... Ashburn's performances. I can elaborate on one famous performance that will go down in Ashburn's folklore for the rest of his life. Um, we're away 2018 um, under 21s, and we have our fines meeting on the last night. And somehow Ash had managed to cop an invite to the. Uh, so let's uh, clarify this. Perch actually wasn't playing there. He actually went over no, just to watch Braden play. Yeah, that's correct. So he was visiting uh, you boys that know Sean Wheatland, yep. um, who was living in Sydney at that point. And he, both him and Kingy were both going to stay on after for a little while. And yeah, so yeah, Perch was not playing. He managed to work his way into the fines meeting somehow, which Braden actually bailed on. Um, which is another story, but five minutes into the uh, into the meeting, Ash Bircher had lost his t-shirt for speaking without without asking. And then ten minutes into the meeting, Ash Bircher was in his underwear, facing a wall. And then five minutes after that, Ashley Bircher was uh, let's just say he wasn't clothed at all, and he was he was face he was under a table and that's how he stayed for the duration of the meeting and then we put him to bed about 9:30 he didn't make it out as his true dash percher form yeah and he was yeah so we um yeah so we put him to bed we eventually found him the next morning spread eagled on kingy's bedroom completely naked on Kingy's bed um, and then yeah that's that's one of many stories that I've had but I've never actually seen Ash Percher out with all due respect to Ash he, uh, he's great great at Breeze and I'll never see him venture past that well that's three so who are the other two okay other two um, there's a bloke at our Wolves Club and I'd love you to meet him Boogs one day his name's Simon Benetti um, and I would uh, very much like to have him at at dinner at some point he's a he's a rather rogue unit and he definitely enjoys a couple of couple of frothies when he uh when he gets the chance so yeah i'd take simon and a bloke from victoria called ben white um if you get the chance to look up him he's a he's a great fellow and one of my very good mates that sounds bloody fantastic all right so now i reckon it's on to our last segment for the day i'll book story time so this is very hit, hit and miss. There's not, not many hits, a lot of misses. I see how we go today, books. All right. 
so there was this young fella, right? And he had he lost his eye in an accident. And he's got this uh, wooden eye. So he's at he's at his uh, school dance, school formal dance, and um, he's trying to dance with a lovely young lady, but they all keep on knocking him back because of his wooden eye. So he's like, so his mates like, nah, this is no good. We got to find you one. And they spot a young lady in the corner, not dancing with anyone. Everyone's sort of staying away from her uh, with a wooden prosthetic leg. So they're like, oh, go on, mate, go for it. And if she take, it takes the piss out of your eye, just make fun of her leg, wooden leg. Anyway, so he smashes back a couple of shotguns, a couple of beers to get up a bit of Dutch courage. At yeah. the school dance. <laughs> yeah, at, at, the, at the back, um, away from prying eyes. And he... Gets courage, he walks over to her and he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, uh, would you like to dance? And this young lady, she's shocked. Someone's asked her to dance. She's over the moon, ecstatic, mate, absolutely pumped. Oh, wouldn't I? And he said, well, in that case, you can go get fucked then, Stumpy. Not bad, Boogs, but you want to credit, credit who you said to? Uh, thanks, Billy Brownless from the Triple M Rush Hour for that one. Um, personal favourite of mine and... <laughs> I'm sure you're going to laugh out of it. Yeah, not bad, books. Not bad. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all right. So, do you have Barham's best bet? Nah. So, Barham reckon he was going to put in a bet, but he didn't get it in on time. So, yeah. be fucking useless again. Standard. Um, all right. Well, that's all we got for today. Um, thanks heaps, Tom, for joining us. It was a good episode. It was, thanks for giving us part of your day. Yeah, Hope thanks, mate. Enjoy no the rest boys. of the day on harvest. Um, and Thank all you. For the future. So, now... We've got a few requests for our next episode, maybe to be a little Christmas special. Some couple of people requesting maybe me and Books just sit down, the two of us, and have a chat for half an hour. But I'm a bit worried where that conversation could lead to. So I don't know. Um, we are we are men, men of the people, and we'll give you what the pe- people want. And if you want that, we'll do that. So in that that being said, if you have anything that you want to ask us or uh, talk about on the next show uh, message us on our instagram page at clowns underscore of underscore the underscore <laughs> castle <laughs> or email us on clowns of the castle at outlook.com clowns of the castle uh one word there um manage to spit that out just yeah manage to get out all right uh thanks thanks for tuning in all the best and until next time keep it real Thank you.